Welcome to Season 5, Episode 5 of the Not Your Mama's Autism Podcast. I'm Lola Dada Ali. In this episode, we discuss a very important life skill now being taught with autistic people in mind. For many, driving is still considered a rite of passage and an exercise in independence. For some with certain neurodifferences, like autism, the idea of driving may pose challenges due to sensory differences or perhaps bring about a heightened sense of anxiety just thinking about all the safety concerns associated with driving itself. In this episode, we speak with Andrew Arbo, founder of the organization Driving with Autism, about his own autism diagnosis, how he came up with the idea of educating people on this subject, and what his plans are for future content. So, with that in mind, let's get started. Hello, Andrew. Welcome to the Not Your Mama's Autism podcast. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Um, Thank thank you for having me. Uh, First time here, so I can't wait. Before we get into the organization you launched on your own, I wanted to briefly talk to you about being an autism self-advocate. Your nine to five, as they call it, is you are currently the director of community outreach for a company called Planning Across the Spectrum. And you yourself are an autism self-advocate. So I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the organization you're currently working for and when did you know you had a neurodifference in the first place? Uh, good questions. I should probably go over, I guess, the autism question first before I go into, I guess, both playing across the spectrum and driving with autism. For the difference or when I learned of autism, I think it was around five or six. It's around those ages where memories are kind of a little vague, aside from some very select Disney World ones. I'm, it was like 1998, and one experience that stands out was Animal Kingdom. It was a 4D, it was like a 6D show, and I hated it. Like, I think I hated the sensory aspects. I don't think it was Bugs Life or the movie, the Pixar movie that was associated with the, the event or part, the attraction or whatever, whatever it was. I think it was a show, and I hated it. Just the different feeling. It was probably too much sensory for me when I was a kid. But like around that time, like 99, 98, where I kind of learned about dinos and I didn't really start using the word autism until much later. I'd be a type where I'd be going, I'd go, like be going over, over tables, sugar packets, <laughs> something I did. And I guess that translated into my coffee habits now. <laughs> Had my third an hour, an hour and a half ago, so I'm set for today. Sugar-free, so I guess I learned a lesson there, but uh, <laughs> I always like to have some sort of energy. Not like energy drink levels. I can't I can't do that stuff, but like, I feel like coffee is a bit more doable than that. Yeah, I love coffee as well, so you and I definitely have yep, that. Yep, iced coffee on my end. Yeah, iced coffee. Yep. I live in, so this is the, this is the season where iced coffee is important. 
It's very. I have, I have a full year, even in, even in the cold. I just like it, and also just helps. <laughs> and the origins of that, and I should probably go. Well, technically, it waits because I used to go to school. I used to go to a community college, and I became a disability specialist. As a program, it was not that well known in Connecticut on where I, where I'm at. And there was one. I was. This was actually before I actually started driving. So I was taking the bus, and I used to do like six a.m. walks to the bus to the bus station. It was. I like. It was kind of like twenty minute walk. It wasn't the worst. It was good exercising, but I was tired, like <laughs> like zombie out. And I accidentally stumbled upon Dunkin' Donuts. I was not into the hot coffee. It might might be different now since I've been having coffee for about four years now. I remember just grabbing one of their pre-made vanilla drinks, had it, and I actually liked it. And it has been downhill. I mean, uphill since. <laughs> and then, and also coffee just been a defining part of what I do for both playing across the spectrum and driving of autism. And I, I think I can do like a brief overview, right? Yeah, a brief please, overview of both. Please do. I go over plan cost inspection and then and as then this was actually covered in one of your earlier episodes with my employer, uh, Andrew Kamru. So any any listeners interested in listening to that, um, please do. He's really great with money. But to kind of go over the basics of that, that's and just keep in mind I'm not of financial background, I'm more of the outreach person. I help get him to places and kind of let people know that we're a thing and yeah, just do a lot of speaking engagements or whatever sort of collaborative efforts that they want to do. But for the main for like in a nutshell, plan cost inspection does a lot of specialized services for those of whatever disability that you can think of. Like it, like if like everyone's kind of like a different case, and we provide but kind of provide just advising of what they want to do. Like they want uh, able account, they need help setting up able accounts. Um, we could do that. And if they need help with some sort of benefits, like State Connected is well rough with that sort of thing, we help you out. <laughs> Especially we know it's not the most fun in Connecticut for sure. <laughs> so, and then we also help employers out. We help employers with their uh, benefits and they follow 1Ks packages and also help them be inclusive. And that's not even touching upon uh, the other thing that my employer does called the Neurodiversity Index, which helps helps people with invest, me, investing in inclusive companies. And it's quite big. I work on a skeleton, and the amount of the amount of work that goes into it. And I've seen the website, I've seen a guide, and really amazing stuff. That's kind of what I do here. And I guess now go to the other organization. <laughs> This is the one I founded, and it it has like the same staff, like a similar staff to Plan Cost Inspection, a lot less of the financial aspects. But uh, my boss is also one of the board members there, who's also just been a supportive hand. For and the most part, Drama of Autism is a one man show, <laughs> which is me. And my actually right after this recording done, I have to schedule a social media post for next week. It's just a Friday habit for me to get into, but. Get to the actual one, Driving with Autism is a online driver awareness program. It can be accessed in all 50 states. Uh, no one has to worry about state laws or trying to go through kind of a lot of the hoops. Like we're just like a big resource, and we also provide a lot of like a lot of just webinars. We have like a live webinar. Pardon me, might need a fourth cup by this point. <laughs> so I do like a full. Oh no! Oh, reception. Can you? Oh, it's. Anyway, done. We zoom back, and then Drive Autism does like an eight-part webinar series. 
that kind of goes over a lot of these different uh, driving ideas, like going how to deal with certain situations. We have we have a topic on uh, police like strategies on how to deal with the police interactions. That one's big and big and has to be discussed. And but we don't also do that. We also do all the readiness like parent involvement because again, uh, driving and driving parents and then new drivers can be complicated. Not always, and I don't want to go into that stereotype. Uh, you know, like the challenging interactions of, let's say, someone heading bus of their parents. It's not always like that. Like, I've talked to a bunch of parents that are really, really just want to get their, really get their teens and young adults out there, and they do everything they can. That's so kind of just go over how important it is to come over that. And also go over the moderation, the sense we need. Driving is very sensory based. Just kind of go over everything with an autism context. And after they complete the eight-part series, and the fall series has fall series is going to be started in September. And after they complete the series, I help them find local resources because I know, know from my own experiences, and I just speak from my own experiences, and especially in Connecticut, there's not a lot over there. Still, like I know resource wise um, some states can be horrible with that. So I want to kind of make it so they can actually find something, something that's nearby. And in the future, I want to be connected through different driving schools and be able to refer people to sit driving schools, at least the nearest one, in case there's multiple. But yeah, just come on to be just a resource, resource to everyone in all 50 states. So how did you decide which online courses to implement within your program? Uh, good question. Um, a lot of it is just kind of Letting people know, letting people kind of know things that I wish I knew when I was learning how to drive. Moridation, and then the biggest example on sensory, uh, sensory needs, sensory needs. And this is something I learned after I attained my license is like the, uh, something I call now is sensory tools. It's actually a, a blog. This actually was a blog post that actually goes over that. And it's something I've loved chatting about is like some tools and it's like a set of, some of tools that you could use. Like it could be practical, it could be physical, or even be mental strategies. And I didn't realize until after, after I get, got my license is I love listening to video game music while I drive. I didn't know that because, well, my dad had control of the car and well, well, with limitations and well, so I had to compromise, if you know what I mean, helping my dad's anxiety go down. So obviously I won't have anything, you know, too noticeable. So I didn't know. And after that, I was like, wait, this works. Like, even if I'm like drowsy, because hey, those type of days happen. And maybe have been slightly drowsy, but not like not to that bad point. And then but music and real good music just again helps me to hyper focus. And it doesn't matter what volume, it just helps. And then I even even listened to a couple of podcasts before. I even listened to kind of like adaptive Hollywood movies adapted to a radio phone. Like I listened to a Hitchcock movie one time. I listened to Strangers on the Train and I adored it. It also got me through a nonsensical highway in Connecticut. That's kind of rough. That's kind of enough left to navigate and kind of infamous over in, over in that state. So like those things kind of helped me out. And then I found out there was also other tools, like even um, plushes, even plushes can be uh, handy. Not for everyone, but and then, and then like the process to kind of go over that, just kind of if it's like something out of your favorite character, and if it's like Tanny in there, and you can kind of reach to it in a reasonable degree, but you don't want to kind of go like super over the top. Like if you're as well, and I highly encourage always uh, drive safe as usual, have your hand on the steering wheel. Well, like if I were in a stoplight, I kind of like put a hand on one of the plush I have on it. It's kind of like a video game character, I have it hanging in the uh, rear window. 
what with stuff like that that's kind of moving and helps tolerate the sensory aspects. And a lot of this I did not know. So I kind of do everything of I wish what I knew, but I also open the fact that people have different experiences. Like I don't think there'd be a lot of people like me that kind of get all fun <laughs> listening to Hollywood movies on an audio form while driving or listen to video game music also for a drive. So yeah, just kind of not to that. And I'm always been always like to acknowledge the gray side of driving. So that's kind of more just knowing that it may not be for everyone and that's okay. Or maybe, maybe different strategies. So let's just explore that and, and kind of, kind of go over what could be the possibilities. That's a good segue. You mentioned the gray side of driving. What do you mean by that? Yeah, that's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like people have different transportation, like um, in my state, it's usually, I don't want to stereotype, but a lot of the services tend to be more public buses, which is fine, mind you. And the only, the one of the issues was that driving was not discussed, not discussed, not discussed. So that kind of led to, well, I didn't really know what to use. And it led to some kind of external barriers. And there was also the safety side, because again, everyone's completely different. And I actually chatted with a few parents. Uh, one that was on a local podcast, and I really admired their perspective. Uh, this podcaster had has uh, two sons, um, variants, being careful of my wording, because, you know, the community is very somatic space. And if you say one thing wrong, they will chew you out and kick you out the door. <laughs> and I'm honestly not a somatics guy. But, you know, it's something that people really really care about a lot. So being a little careful, but varying ends. And I always like listening to those type of perspectives. Because again, I have my own I have my own perspective and and I cannot ever speak over a pardon me, an autistic person's perspective. Because I have my own, because well autism, my own autism is different than everyone else's. So I always I always like to keep in mind and I'm always the one is if driving works for you, awesome. Um, if it's something that you need more time, that's also cool. And if you need different, or if you need have to use some use something else, or if it's not for you, like you have to do you. A great point. It's a great point. I want to talk to you about some coping mechanisms when you're driving. For instance, not everybody, as you know, uh, follows the rules of the road the way they should. <laughs> so, how do you cope when you see? someone else driving erratically or someone else just generally not following the rules so how do you deal with it okay i can probably answer this both ways i guess first off is kind of my own experience in fair i will mention that it, it i get that question asked all the time to the point where i have to include it in my webinar series i'm just called driving situations and overcoming them it's basically one of the first uh, slides in that in that course, just because I get to ask so much. And it's a really good one because it's not just like an autism and like a disability thing. It's like a general, like a universal, like driver's question of how do you? And then to my own, then to my own experience, um, what I do honestly is either enorm, um, say some going rancy type words to myself. Because, well, I'm usually a solo driver. I don't mind passengers, but I tend to drive solo on the most part. Which is usually the case for, for a lot of people, not all, not everyone. That I may, might say some choice words in my in my mind, because well, I can't say it here. <laughs> Just say it's the Gorn Ramsey type words. And I let your imaginations fill in the brinks. And maybe some choice words like donkey is filled in too. <laughs> Just you know, Gorn Mancy, he uses that a lot in Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> 
but but on a more serious one, in those and especially stuff that I can't do because obviously, obviously you have to keep driving and keep doing your thing. Can I keep doing your thing? I just I just know it. I'd be like, okay, that's a dumb thing. Um, I'm just gonna not do that. Not do that, or or if I knew if there's a split second decision making I have to do, I try to go in what seems the best choice. Because I had to, I had like the cars that go in way too quick for its own good that I had to do a split. I had to kids move it out of the way because I don't want to be part of that situation. And I also kind of go over that uh, because kind of like you imagine, like in user experiences, you like again, I want to go back to Hell's Kitchen. I actually go over this because. Reality TV can be relatable to a lot of people. I feel like, feel like it it relates to this sort of thing. Is I can't see them as bad chefs in Hell's Kitchen. Like you watch that, like like you see these drivers, and it's like, no, I don't want to be like this. Like when you watch like Hell's Kitchen, like you don't want to be these bad chefs messing up this beef Wellington or the wasabi dish. It's kind of like run from them as much as you can. But again, not every driver is perfect. Like I have my, <laughs> like I have my slightly swell days. Slightly swell days, or if I'm a little fatigued, like it maybe get a bit noticeable, but I have to keep, but I have like ways to kind of go over that. And then for coping, honestly, just the video game music, even my attention may go to that and also also on the world itself. So it kind of balances out like the tools that I, like the tools that I use personally, just kind of balance out any sort of potential annoyance, to say the least. And how, how long have you been driving for? Uh, about three and a half years, and then actually two more and two more months, it will be my fourth year. It was like the end of October, which again is quite surreal, a little surreal. And then I'm able to drive in various states, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and parts of Newark. I would never drive in the city, like Newark City, like absolutely not. And I was gonna but ask, out, but outside of that, outside of that, everywhere else, outside of tolls, is fair game. Okay, like if I if I go for a work reason, if I were to drive to like an autism disability organization for outreaching purposes, I absolutely would go. Like I've actually done went to uh, Massachusetts walks before, and I'm going to another next month. So anything work wise, I will do it, and I'll say, yep, and I still say that regardless of gas because you know gas prices are still a little uh, yikes. So in order to adjust, let's say you need to drive to one of those events, would you adjust the GPS so that you avoid tolls and try and find a, a longer route that may not have as busy of roads? I'm on those rhymes and I actually use some, I use, um, I use one of those uh, magnets, magnets on the amount magnets. And I love those because you don't even have to go over the top. You don't have to get this one stick that you can attach on a car. You just get one of those magnets and even better with the ones that you can add to the air in one of those vents. And it just, it gets a job done and you get it close to the steering wheel, but it doesn't get in the steering wheel's way. And you get to see it while you drive. Like you don't have to go like this sort of thing. <laughs> You don't have to move your eyes like super crazy. You could just kind of briefly glance and just do your thing. Like I kind of adore those. And then for, I use Google maps a lot and you, you get those options where you could kind of avoid tolls or avoid the high risk if you want. And I like to do research. I also know some cheat sheets like Massachusetts. Like if you can avoid for if you avoid route 90, which is the turnpike, that's like, I think like hundred percent of tolls in that highway in Pacific and I so. Google mapped that too. <laughs> uh, we, yeah, research kind of helps, even in some of the rains. And it actually was a tool that I used to kind of help myself when, when I was working towards attainment of my license. So there's the kind of type of things I would use. 
And if I have to find a place to record or I can't find a place to recharge my phone or if, or if I was sitting somewhere with a nearby a plug, I use that. I try to use resources whenever I can. What advice, now that you have almost four years under your belt, what advice would you give autistic people who might fear driving but still are moving towards the direction of learning, learning how to? Uh, self-paced, like self-paced, self-pacing yourself, especially driving, is one of the best things that you could do for yourself. But I tell people that there's not really a magic age to drive, and if you need extra time, you need extra time. Back in 2018, because right now I'm 29, I got my license when I was I was 25, so obviously not teenager ages. Period. I still get, I still get, still have some people think I'm look like I'm in my teens still, <laughs> but it really should be paced on what you want to do. Again, again, I speak to a lot of other people that kind of go through varying ages. And I and I actually actually used to work for a school system and they knew that I was kind of trained because I was kind of getting my license and had like one or two staff members that are on the old side. And they told me that they went a lot later in their life to kind of get their license. So again, like if self-pacing or kind of do what makes you comfortable, and then obviously the more dating just having having like a driver to kind of not like that widow driver, I guess more. Okay. It's probably probably like a pun, but I mean, like have something that can like get you to play something to kind of get you to the ideas, like something that'll get you to point A to point B uh, more nation wise. Are you looking to add any more courses soon? Now that's a really good question. I'm always kind of looking at future projects. I'm trying to see what else is done throughout the country. Like I kind of I was actually speaking to someone today and I was I was kind of found out that a photo hospital has like a has like some sort of a new uh, driving program. So I kind of want to kind of look into that and kind of see see what I can learn from that. So I always try to see what's around my area and also in other states, too, especially since I'm trying to do partnerships throughout the whole country I'm where I can be able to refer people to those uh, driving schools that may become certified partners. And it's something I'm hoping to have published on the Driving with Autism website. That's a it's on a page I'm hoping to get up there in the next uh, month or so. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please share, subscribe, and leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. If you're interested in how our podcast came to be, please check out season one of this podcast in its entirety. If you're interested in our story in written form, check out a series of articles I wrote for psychcentral.com titled The Caregiver's Chronicles. As always, we thank you for your support. Not Your Mama's Autism Podcast is hosted and written by my mom, Lola Dada Ali, and it's also co-written and produced by me, Fella Ollie. My dad, little sister Alero, and I are all occasional contributors. My dad, Tosin Ollie, also helps produce sometimes. Big thanks to my aunt, Bolane Williams Ollie, who did our graphic design. See you guys soon. <laughs>